Hey guys, I'm doing a quick cold open here because when I recorded this, I recorded it on Sunday and um, did the predictions, did the, my whole thoughts on the CM Punk thing. And I, I was actually, and you'll hear it, but like, I, I didn't know what to feel about the CM Punk situation. So like, I, if you listen to, it's, it happens, I come at the very, it's at the very end of it. It's like, I think it starts at like the 43 minute mark where I start talking about it. You hear a lot of indecision for like the next ten minutes. I didn't really know the thing about it because I even asked the question of like, if Moxley refused to lose to you, but he's losing to you. I didn't understand that, so I was like confused. So what happened was, then um, on my way back from traveling somewhere, and then I hear I see Renee Paquette on Twitter say, "Hey, we're uh, John's back on the podcast." Yes, we're talking about CM Punk. That wasn't the plan. We're supposed to do it like the week before. And so I said, you know, before, let me hear what Moxley has to say. And let me get this out of the way, too. You motherfuckers on these websites need to stop being so clickbaity. I didn't click on any website, uh, but like, because I saw, I just saw her tweet. But like, I seen like three different websites that was like, John Moxley has explosive comments. And it's like, Yo, like I heard, I ever heard what he said because they don't waste any time. With they, they spend the first like 15, 16, 17 minutes on this situation and they move on, right? Because you can tell John Moxley really doesn't give a fuck. And I was just like, what's explosive about this shit? He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he shouldn't give a fuck. I wouldn't give a fuck. You know, and the only thing I think he even said in it, well, I'll get into it in a second. But the point is, cold open is to say, hey, look. It's the, the show's not over when I say the show is over. So essentially, you're gonna hear DJ Scratch, and then I'm gonna wrap up my final thoughts after hearing the John Moxley thing. Um, but I do the cold cold open just to let you guys know that's not over. Just keep listening. DJ will scratch, and we'll get right to it. So welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to officially WrestleMania weekend. We've had WrestleMania size packed week. We had a Monday show, a Wednesday show, now we have a Friday show, we're going to have a Sunday show, and we're going to have a Monday show. That's five shows in the span of a week, so uh, you're welcome. Uh, talk to you guys later. Anytime, we around, it go down, we major. Anytime, we around, it go down. Down and down and down again oh. I got so high left my frown in the wind oh. Hard I tried never try it again Cause these niggas is lying again oh. Oh. I'm a black lion I roll like a tire Girl in my dreams I don't sleep I don't oh, find her shit. If they sleep and they need a reminder This is for niggas who think we minor Hey what is up everybody Welcome to the show I see things a little differently This is a Friday episode As I said we have a Wrestlemania size week On Monday we had the interview of Samuel Leon And we and then Wednesday we talked about the Shazam Black Adam uh, situation and now we're doing WrestleMania predictions and we're doing also a couple of other notes that um, I just have as far as like the CM Punk comments and um, uh, Josh Alexander going going down, unfortunately. Also, as of right now, as, as this recording is Sunday, I thought I was going to wait to record this so I would know who the next Hall of Famer is and the final Hall of Famer for this Friday or today or as you guys are listening to this. But I decided not to wait because I'm traveling and I didn't want to... Uh, just to give some behind the scenes stuff, I only, only listen to like two or three different podcasts. And um, one of the podcasts I listened to is a very in depth guy, uh, Sal Monster Sounds Off. And um, a lot of times, him and I have a lot of the same thoughts. 
because uh, we've been fans our entire life. And so a lot of times I don't want to, I want to have my pure thoughts said before I listen to anyone else's pure thoughts. Um, as of right now, I just have not listened to it. And the thing is, when I land where I'm landing, I have to drive like two and a half hours. So I don't want to just instinctively cut on the podcast for the drive and um, just completely blank out that I'm listening to this and I want to interrupt, you know, my pure thoughts. And so I decided just to kind of uh, wait and say, you know what, let me just record it before I go uh, to on this airplane and get my thoughts out. So let's start with the Hall of Fame WrestleMania predictions, and then we'll get into the two things that I want to talk about news newsworthy as of right now. So as of right now, here is the list of matches I have. Well, let's get to the Hall of Fame stuff first. As of right now, we only have three members of the Hall of Fame. It's highly rumored that Stacey Keebler will be the fourth member of the Hall of Fame this year. Um, whether you think it's Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame or they're not, that's completely your opinion. Um, me personally, um, there is no, in the WWE Hall of Fame, there are no, like, uh, there's really no rules and regulations. If you really want to be honest, in any Hall of Fame, they make up, like, the bylaws of it, but do they actually follow them? Not really. <laughs> like, the Indie Hall of Fame now, I think Excalibur just went into the Indie Hall of Fame, and there's a bunch of people like, I don't know what the rules and regulations are for that or the bylaws. So, there's no rules or regulations, so if you feel she's worthy or not, that's just completely up to you. I mean, here's my thing. When I think of her, do I think of any moments that I have to go back and watch? No. Is, is some of her stuff meme-worthy? Sure. But that's not a resume. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, for me, did she make an impact on the industry? Not to me. But you know what? She was in two different companies. She is... Some people remember. Some people, that was probably their first crush in wrestling as they got into wrestling. So I'm not going to knock someone for going to the Hall of Fame. Me, personally, I'd much rather see someone like a Victoria going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Molly Holly went in last year. Uh, Mickey Jim, people like that. But once again, that's all preference. But we have Rey Mysterio being the headliner. And I think he's the first ever active wrestler to go into the Hall of Fame. Well, technically, I guess Ric Flair was an active wrestler when he went to the Hall of Fame. Um, on the roster, so I guess technically Ric Flair is the first, but Rey Mysterio is 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 definitely number two there. Uh, Andy Kaufman is in the celebrity wing, which is long overdue, and you have the Great Muda, which is I think we all saw that coming when they let Shinsuke Nakamura do the Evolve show uh, to be in one of his matches. So let's start with Rey Mysterio. His resume, he's probably one of the greatest luchadors of all time, which. I don't think many people would argue with, if we're being honest. Um, so, I have a lot of memories of Rey Mysterio. He's had a lot of great moments. Let's think about this. This guy came into WWE, uh, and who knew what they were going to do with this guy? But his first match was against Kurt Angle at SummerSlam 2002, I believe. And they opened the show, and boy, oh boy, did they have a great match. Like, him coming in, having that classic with Kurt Angle to start his career in WWE, 
Yes. Has he always been booked the strongest? No, he's not. Because Vince McMahon doesn't know how to small uh, book small talents like that. So, and Rey Mysterio is such a unique talent. I think Ted, DiBi- Ted DiBiase said something after he had his World Heavyweight Championship win at WrestleMania 22. He said he went to Rey Mysterio and said, hey, you've become a full circle talent. And to me, he never changed his style or anything. I think it was WWE being more open to having him work with people. Now, when you look at some of his moments in WWE, does it make sense? To me, it doesn't. Like To me, the win at WrestleMania 22 was necessary because Eddie Guerrero was passing. How they got there was weird because they could, they clearly didn't have a spot for Randy Orton. And Eddie Guerrero's death clearly put plans uh, in the ruined plans, which poor him, he died. You know, like I'm sure he, he would much rather be alive, you know. Um, but he clearly put a wrench in those plans. But I think even for the 10 minutes that him, Kurt Angle, and Randy Orton went out there, they had a hell of a hell of a match. Uh, it, it felt rushed too, but it was a hell of a win. Uh, his title reign was not the best, you know. Very weird. Once again, Vince just doesn't know how to book someone like Rey Mysterio. Um, but either way, this guy's had a hell of a career. I think he's had, what, three world championships in WWE. He's a former WWE champion. You know he had that belt for what, all of one week. But he won a tournament to get it. So, I mean, it's been... He's had a great career in WWE. And even beyond that, obviously. Um, but when I think of Rey Mysterio, I do think of WrestleMania 22. Because that was a hell of a moment. Um... I think mainly of Halloween, 19, Halloween Havoc 1997, the match with him and Eddie Guerrero, where legend has it, it was supposed to be a mask versus, well, it was a mask versus um, cruiserweight title match, right? And legend has it that um, Eric, Eric Bischoff was going to unmask Rey Mysterio that night. Bischoff has kind of denied it, but kind of not denied it. Bischoff... People ask me all the time, hey, man, did you hear what Eric Bischoff said? I really don't because Bischoff has a memory of convenience. And don't get me wrong, a lot of the wrestling shoot interviews are not good shoot interviews. I haven't watched a shoot interview in a very long time. But that's mainly because sometimes, unless you're a Jim Cornette who actually wrote, write, wrote down a lot of this shit, like for the most part, these wrestlers don't remember a lot of shit, you know what I'm saying? Or it comes off as very inconsistent so it's one of those things where like for me i'll give every uh, shoot interviews a chance but i have not watched a shoot interview in a very long time anyways um so when i hear bishop talk i just hear bullshit dude i, I just do it, it comes off as very uh hulk hogan-ish because he never owns any of his mistakes he just doesn't he doesn't own 1997 starcade he doesn't own uh the the even though he will say no wrestler had creative control, he'll then say Hogan had creative control but never used it. Just stuff like that makes no sense. We all know Hogan had creative control. Even Hogan's admitted to it. Nash has admitted to it. Bischoff himself has admitted to it. It's just really weird how he then tries to deny it. And I'm just like, but why? That makes, I don't, I, I don't know, dude. Anyways, legend has it. Uh, Eric Bischoff wanted to unmask Mysterio that night. And, and, uh, and, uh, Conan said to Mysterio, hey, don't, no show. You need to no show. Your mask is your identity right now. Like, you lose your mask, you lose who you are. And Conan has been a huge advocate of Rey Mysterio. As a matter of fact, Conan is the one inducting him, and there's no one else to induct Rey Mysterio. No one else. Like, even if Eddie Guerrero was alive, it would still have to be Conan. Conan opened doors for Rey Mysterio that would have never been open for him otherwise. Let's just, just put that shit on the table. 
Conan got into the States first. Conan then opened the doors for him to ECW, then opened the doors for him to WCW. He got to WWE on his own. But by the time he was already who he was. Um, but Conan said, hey, you need a no-show, dude. Do not show up. And Eddie Guerrero fought back against this and said, no, I need to lose. And uh, this is... The match was so great. We tend to forget how Mysterio won this match, but I think he lost the Cruiserweight Championship like two weeks later. And they ended up unmasking him like two years later. So the next time, they could, he, couldn't, he couldn't fight the unmasking. Um, but um, Eddie Guerrero said, hey, I'm not beating him. Like I'm not beating him for the mask. We could, I could beat him if it's not for the mask. But Eric Bischoff was keen on it needs to be for the mask. It needs to be for the mask. And Guerrero just refused to do it. And... Um, that was a big deal. Uh, but these two had great chemistry. They opened a WrestleMania together, WrestleMania 21. Speaking of classics, uh, they were actually the tag team champions at the time. And they were doing the slow heel turn for A. Guerrero, who um, was slowly turning heel because uh, he couldn't beat Rey Mysterio. And that's where you had later on down the road, the custody of Dom match, etc., etc. Um, but Rey Mysterio, this is. It's 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 easy to forget him <clears throat> because um, he's just done it for so long and he's just been Mister Consistent. Whether it's with, and, and and he's just so quiet about his business. Um, it's easy to forget him. But I remember talking to someone last year and they were saying how like WWE's running out of uh, headliners for Hall of Fame. I said actually they're really not. Like if you think about it, when fucking Okada fucking retires he will have never had a match in wwe but he's been backstage several times they will make him a headliner they will put anyone in their hall of fame to get the attention in the eyeballs because wrestlemania weekend you literally have the wrestling world there like i was actually kind of surprised that tony Khan allowed or placed an roh supercard of honor in the same weekend because last year when i went you could tell he wanted to get out of dallas as soon as humanly fucking possible and so it was one of those situations where it was just like okay he gets it. Like, he gets that this is a big deal and this is just history. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, dude, the wrestling world's there. And if you have an Okada and you have New Japan fan, they're, they're going to pay tickets to see him going to the Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? So let's, let's not go that far. Now, as far as WWE Hall of Famers, I still don't think they're running out of them because here's my thing, right? You have Batista who could headline a Hall of Fame. Chris Jericho who can headline a Hall of Fame. The Shield can headline a Hall of Fame. Moxley can headline a Hall of Fame. Um, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. I know these people are far, far away, but that's the point. This is a never-ending thing. Say what you want to. CM Punk will go into the WWE Hall of Fame one day. He will. You know, and, and we're going to get to what he talked about later on, but CM Punk will go into the WWE Hall of Fame one day. Um, I, the list can go on and on about headliners that they, they have plenty of headliners. They're going to be, I just named like eight right there. That's eight years in a row, you know, so let's not go too crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, when I think of Rey Mysterio, I think of Luchador, I think of history. I think of, uh, the mask. I think of the matches he's had with people who I never thought he would have those kind of matches with, um, I think of just the colors, the pageantry, the the outfits he's worn, the, the how, how giving he's been. How Cody Cody tells the story how Rey Mysterio pan picked him 
for the WrestleMania match at WrestleMania 27, which Cody won. You know, like Ray picked him to do it, uh, to beat him. So, um, good stuff there. Uh, Andy Kaufman, I know the story's been beaten into the ground. I'll tell it here for you guys. For you guys, I know a lot of times when I tell these stories, you guys are like, "No, nah, I never heard this stuff." So, uh, essentially, Andy Kaufman uh, was on a show called Taxi before my time, <laughs> um, but apparently he was a, a genius and he loved wrestling. He loved everything about wrestling, and he had went to Vince McMahon Sr. and said he had this idea for something he wanted to do. Vince Sr. hated the idea and said, "No, whatever." Well, there was a journalist there, and we all know the name of the journal. We all know this journalist. I can't remember the name of the journalist right now. I'm so frustrated. But essentially, the journalist who's still around to this day uh, said, "Hey, you need to talk to uh, Jerry King Lawler and Jerry Jarrett, who just recently passed away. Um, uh, you need to talk to them." So Andy Kaufman was doing this shtick in his stand-ups where he was pinning women, talking bad about them, and and just beating them down, right, and saying he's the greatest wrestler of all time. And so. He went to Tennessee, went to Memphis, Memphis, and um, he went there and he pitched Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett his idea. They ran the territory. Jerry Lawler was the biggest star there, and um, they loved it. And so it started out by him just doing his shtick, being up on women, saying he's the greatest wrestler of all time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, finally had enough and said, "Hey man, you're gonna you're gonna learn your lesson." So they had a match. The king got disqualified, and this just built anticipation because Andy Kaufman was a megastar, and he was talking so much trash that people wanted to see him get beat down. It's similar to what we're seeing right now, where legitimately we are praising. Think about this: in real life, no one wants the kids to be beat anymore, except for the parents. <laughs> That's frowned upon. We are actually praising Rey Mysterio for putting hands on his son, right? That's what they were doing here. They were just building it, building it, building it, which where Jerry Lawler had to beat this dude down. He had to do it. And I'm telling you now, the King actually gave a great rundown of this story on the old Steve Austin podcast. I don't know where you can find that. Maybe on YouTube. I know um, they had all the, I, I don't remember which person this was on YouTube, so forgive me. But I remember I was doing a drive and I was, um, I think I was driving from Atlanta to Maryland. It was a 10 hour drive. And I was listening to all these. I was listening to the Scott Hall podcast he had on there, the Bret Hart podcast. And I remember these guys would go so in depth on these podcasts. This is the Broken Skull Challenge. Is, I mean, the Broken Skull Sessions or whatever the fuck it's called is cool, I guess. But it's not something like his previous podcast. And I remember him saying how doing a weekly podcast is daunting, which it is. I agree. But his first podcast was fantastic. And Jerry Lawler, it was a two part Jerry Lawler episode. I'm, I, I, I might search on podcast one, as a matter of fact. Um, and see if it's still there. Jerry Lawler went into great detail of this story. So essentially, um, Andy Kaufman was so big into kayfabe and so big into keeping this going that um, uh, one night, Jerry Lawler gives him a pile driver and he gets disqualified again. And Andy Kaufman's just laying there. He won't move. So the ref's like, hey, you know, Andy wants to pay for an uh, ambulance. And Jerry Lawler's like, I'm not paying for an ambulance. Tell him that ambulance is 100 bucks. <laughs> Imagine those prices now. And uh, Andy Kaufman, he goes, and the ref goes back to Andy Kaufman, and Kaufman says, I'll pay for it. So then <laughs> the ref then goes back to Jerry Lawler and says, hey, he says he'll pay for it. He says, I can call a fucking ambulance. And so they call an ambulance, and he sells this like he's dead, right? And so he wears a fucking uh, neck brace for months. 
and he couldn't wear it on taxi because they wouldn't let him do it. But he wanted to. But they they threatened to breach his contract because they said it's not part of our story. But otherwise, when whenever he wasn't filming, he was wearing that fucking neck brace. And so the good thing about then back then was there was no internet. So yeah, Taxi was a primetime show, but if you didn't watch fucking Taxi, which most wrestling fans probably weren't, because I still couldn't... I've heard the name Taxi several times. I know it's uh, been outside of Andy Kaufman. It's caused the the births of, le- of other legendary stars. I've never seen a fucking second of that show. I couldn't tell you what it's about. I'm assuming it's about a taxi company. I'm 120% sure I'm wrong about that. Um, but um, yeah, so Andy Kaufman... Then uh, they go back and forth, have another match, etc. And once again, he's keeping this going. This is just going, 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 going. And back then, you know, we could run that match for a long time. And that's how over Jerry Lawler was. So anyways, uh, one of the most legendary moments, if not the most legendary moment of the feud, came at The Tonight Show with uh, David Letterman. And so they were talking uh, in the back, Kaufman and Lawler. And... Kaufman said, "You need to, you need to slap me on live TV. We need to keep this going." Lawler said, "Man, I'm not slapping you on live TV. I'm not getting arrested." Says, "You need to slap me, or not, and this, and this whole thing will be over. We could, squ- we could squash it. We could squash it, you know, which means it's all over, right?" And then he leaves Lawler's dressing room. And now, mind you, this is all in private, so no, no one knows about this because supposedly David Letterman knew nothing about this. The whole thing was a work, and so I think. Many years ago, TV Guide named this as like number 19 of the top 100 moments in TV history. That's how famous this moment was. Also, how famous this moment was is Vince McMahon Jr. went to Jerry Lawler and said, hey, I'm still jealous. This was many years after. This is when Lawler went to WWE and was doing commentary. This is what, like 20 years after or close to it. And he said, I'm still jealous that you got Andy Kaufman to do that. That is something that would have been a... And that, and his, his, he's right. Vince McMahon would have definitely done that, you know. But he's told Jerry Lawler several times, "Hey, I'm still jealous. You get, to, you got to do that." Well, anyways, so Kaufman and him are out there, and they're and Letterman's like, "Hey, let's squash this. You know, we don't need any more violence." And so Lawler stands up, and if you can watch it on YouTube, he can, he stands up and he just slaps the holy fuck out of this dude. To where it knocks him out of his seat. And Letterman's just like looking around. And there's no security that comes. This, this, the most the reason why people don't believe that Letterman wasn't in on it is because there's no security ever actually came. Right? But Lawler smacks the fuck out of him. Like he smacks him. And so um Andy Kaufman gets up and he just goes to a just profane profanity laced rant. No 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 Going off, saying all curse words, and no, 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 holding his face the entire time. Larry's just looking around. Of course, he's being bleeped out, and he leaves. And the feud eventually ends because you know uh, Kaufman called up uh, Lawler and said, "Hey, I have cancer." And and Lawler first, at first thought he was making a joke. He said, "Oh, Andy, that's not funny." And he said, "No, no, I'm serious. I have cancer. I'm dying." And so he ended up dying pretty quickly after that. But the 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 the, 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 the feud had already like died, and they were just gonna they were just gonna keep doing it like. Like every now and then, with him being more of a cameo and less of the the top heel. Um, but that's essentially the only thing he ever did in wrestling. But it was one of the biggest impacts. It was WrestleMania moments before WrestleMania moments were a thing. It was the celebrity aspect of it before the celebrity aspect became a real thing. 
Lawler and Jerry Jarrett are the ones that allowed it. They made a ton of money off it. And it's and it's actually funny because um, Jerry Jarrett has said Andy Kaufman never even, all the paydays he got from it, he never cashed any checks from it. He never wanted pay. He just loved wrestling. And he they said they didn't know this until um, one day they had changed banks. And this is after Andy Kaufman had passed away. And they were changing banks, and the, their previous bank was like, hey, just so you know, you have some open checks here. Uh, just make sure this person does not cash these, or else it's going to be us coming for you guys. And they're like, who didn't cash checks, right? You know, because Jerry Jarrett wasn't known for paying a lot of money. Ask Steve Austin. So they were like, yes, yeah, Andy Kaufman. And he's like, well, Andy Kaufman's dead. And so apparently they called up his parents or whoever uh, who had his stuff, and they said, and they went through his stuff and said, oh, crap, they, he never cashed one check from their company and so um they were just like wow that's okay he really just did it for the love of it and because it's something he wanted to do um so yeah I, I, I simplified that and broke it down i highly suggest you guys somehow either go on the podcast one app or go on youtube if it's on there i know my point telling you guys that story is when i was driving making a 10-hour drive i didn't finish the story sorry um like right in the middle of it, I'm in the middle of the Bret Hart episode and getting just you know, getting some great stuff, and all of a sudden it just goes out. So I'm like, my internet go out. I'm like, I am like in a wooded area, or whatever. And so I said, well, I gotta use the bathroom anyway. Let me pull over at this rest stop. Pull over at a rest stop. And sure enough, I'm going through that entire person's like YouTube, and they blocked all of them. Podcast one blocked all of them. And at the time, podcast one had just changed from a free app to you had to pay for it. I don't know if they're still like that or not. I know I still have it downloaded on my phone. That's why I said I'm gonna check it. Um, but essentially, I just said I'm not paying for it. Well, let me lie. Let me lie. Not, not lie. I couldn't afford to pay for it at the time, so I was like, no, fuck it, because it was like ten bucks a, a month or whatever. And I was like, I just didn't have it. That's how bad I was hurting. But um, no, he goes into great detail and 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 in the story and everything. So good stuff there. Also, uh, the final member as of this recording is the Great Muda. Um, if you don't know what a great mood is, I don't have enough time to even break down his significance. His, he, he's a history of, he's a, a long, long history with Sting, New Japan, WCW. He, it was the first one to do the mist. Uh, the one you, the stuff you guys see, uh, Oscar doing now. He was the first one to present that. He had his mask for a long time. He no longer has the mask because he's been doing like essentially the great mood's last match and Kenny Hocho's last match. I'm Kenny Hocho's. <laughs> saying his name wrong but he uh, but he has two different personas essentially um one of his standout matches actually is fall brawl 92 with him teaming with dirty dick slater versus rick flair and sting for those of you guys who have peacock um he is he's never had a match in wwe ever he's 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 one of, he's like uh jushin thunder liger liger had that one match in nxt but he's he had no he had no significance in wwe whatsoever but he's one of those people that is definitely hall of fame worthy um, he's had what a thirty-year career, maybe longer than that. Actually, it's probably forty years. Um, but this he's 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 mainly connected to Sting. Um, they've had some great matches in the past, so I would highly suggest you guys go back and watch um those. Uh, let's get to WrestleMania. So here's a card as I have it as of right now. Right, matter of fact, let me hold on a second. Give me one second. I'm gonna get a sip of water. Yeah, I'm actually going to uh I'm actually going to um 
Hold on a second. Let's see. Let's see. Hold on. <laughs> Just want to make sure because I know it's been I know it's been updated since last night or since two nights ago. Uh, <sighs> let's see the card. Make sure I'm up to date on my card here. Looks good. Looks good. Looks good. I have that. Have that. Have that. Have that. Do I have that? Yeah, I do have that. All right, so essentially it's the same shit. Okay, so here's the card I have right now before I give my predictions. Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Bianca Belair versus Asuka. Omos versus Brock Lesnar. The Usos versus Owens and Zayn. Gunther versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. John Cena versus Austin Theory, which has been announced as the opener for WrestleMania Night 1. Edge versus Finn Balor in Hell in a Cell. Dems Control versus Lita, Becky, and Trish. In a WrestleMania showcase match, we have the Prophets, Street Prophets, Alpha Academy, the Viking Raiders, Braun Strowman, and Ricochet. In another women's WrestleMania showcase, we have Liv Morgan, Raquel, versus Shayna, Ronda Rousey. That's all we had as of this recording. Um, and then we have Dom versus Rey Mysterio. So here's my thing, right? I'm just going to go off my predictions right now. So know that it's not going to be a full list. If you hear me going away, it's because I'm putting my phone back on a charger. So I'm walking away from the, the mic and now I'm back in front of the mic. Take a sip of water here. All right, let's do this. Uh, let's start from the bottom. Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio. Matter of fact, let me see if I have this thing. I'm cool. We have that rant. Making sure I have it on this recorder. Um, this one's tricky because I feel like Dom is gonna win because Rey would, would want it no other way. If this was, was if this was a retirement match, which was rumored that that Ray had considered retiring, I would definitely say Dom. But with it not being one, makes it a little more tricky. But I think this WrestleMania will be good to the Judgment Day. So I'm gonna say Dominic Mysterio beats Ray Mysterio, um, and I don't see Damian Priest on this WrestleMania card as of right now. I haven't heard of Andre the Giant Battle Royal. So it looks like he might be either escorting him or Finn Balor to the ring. But Finn Balor and Edge seems like that's more of a personal thing. Also, I don't see him escorting the demon out. That just would just look weird. Um, so I'm going to say he's escort, escorting Dom to the ring. I'm going to say Dom gets the win here. The rest of me, a women's showcase match, I have no clue because the other two teams are not announced. But I'm going to say Shayna and... And Ronda, as of right now, just because I don't know who the full match is yet. And the men's showcase match. Uh, let's go with the Street Profits here. Because Alpha Academy looks to be breaking up. The Viking Raiders, I don't... It's unfortunate, because I don't actually care about them, but I love them in ROH. But they just do nothing for me here in WWE. And Braun Strowman and Ricochet just feels like, hey, let's just get them on WrestleMania card to do something spectacular. Um, yeah. uh, damage Control versus Lita... Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Um, this match is dripping with Trish eventually wrestling. Uh, 
Well, it's rumor. Let's let's get the rumor out of the way. The rumor here is that Trish is going to eventually turn heel and wrestle Becky Lynch. That feels like that's something for a SummerSlam, uh, another major event. I think that's going to happen down the road. Here I have these guys winning, Becky Lynch, Trish, and uh, Lita, mainly because I think Damage Control is going to break up first. This feels like Damage Control is going to break apart. They've lost their tag team titles twice now. It feels like they're going to separate and turn on uh, Bailey. Edge versus Finn Balor, the Demon, in Hell in a Cell. This was rumored originally for the Royal Rumble, but uh, I think Edge was filming some Disney series. So they couldn't do it, so now they're doing it here. (sighs) Finn Balor should win this match. I'm sorry, I've said this before. I'm pretty sure if I actually use my Twitter, Edge would have already blocked me on it. But the reality is, I don't know if Edge. I don't know if they have the courage to make to pull that trigger. Even when he lost, oh what in September? It's because he had his wife captive. Edge. I don't know. He just doesn't feel as giving as the other talents do. But at the same time, here's my thing. Edge clearly had. I think Edge is what one or two more years left in him. And and I think they're gonna give him a token run. They should and, and yippee for him. Um, this is Edge went all over it to me, but I don't have any faith because um, I I feel like Balor should. I'm gonna say Balor is gonna win. I'm gonna say the Demon will win, even though everything I'm saying that Edge is gonna win because I just he hasn't proven to me he's willing to lose to the younger talent. On a more consistent basis, if that makes sense. It has to be some kind of chicanery with him, which here's why I can't even knock him. If you look at the Undertaker's career, how many times did the Undertaker actually lose clean? I've done a lot of thinking about this. I can think of SummerSlam 98, he lost clean to Austin. Outside of that, I can't think of many times. And Edge is at that level where, like, maybe, he sh- maybe that's the way to protect him. You know, maybe he did because Jericho. Let's think about this. Jericho and Brian Danielson are Teflon. They can lose clean all the time. No one thinks differently of them. Maybe Edge, in his mind, feels like people think differently of him if he loses clean. I don't know, but I've, I'll pick. I'll pick Balor. I'll go against my, my judgment and pick Balor here. Cena versus Theory, U.S. title. This opens WrestleMania. This was announced on Friday. Theory is going to retain. They see big things in theory. They're going to groom him to be their next big deal. Um, I don't think John Cena has ever opened a WrestleMania. Yes, he has. WrestleMania 20, he opened with the Big Show. Ironically, defeating the Big Show in a U.S. title match. So, yes, Mr. Cena will lose this match, but obviously he's about putting over the next year, next people, uh, next generation, so that's not an issue. Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. Logan Paul's gotten the best Seth Rollins every, every which way. Um... I want to, I feel like this can be a Seth, uh, excuse me, a uh, Logan Paul win. Because when's the last time Logan Paul won? He won last year at WrestleMania. Miz turned his back on him. He's defeated the Miz. He has wrestled uh, Roman Reigns, lost to him. He's only wrestled two or three matches, right? Do you want him to lose again? I don't know. And Seth Rollins is one of those guys that he doesn't have a stellar WrestleMania career. I mean, record. Um, you know what? I'm going to say Seth Rollins gets to win here. And 
one of the most anticipated intercontinental championship matches of all time at WrestleMania. We have Gunther, Walter, whatever you want to call him, defending his intercontinental championship and his undefeated streak on the main roster. And if you think about it, he's only lost really, what, one time in his WWE career? Um, defending against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is a former Intercontinental Champion. Sheamus, the only championship he has not won outside of the Universal Championship is this one. He has been very vocal about winning this. He's come close twice. The last time he had some chicanery happen to him. I'm going with Sheamus to pin Drew McIntyre, not Gunther, to win his first Intercontinental Championship. I do believe that Gunther will go on to win King of the Ring and challenge Cody Rhodes at SummerSlam. don't think he's beating Cody Rhodes for that, that World Championship. But I just gave away one of my predictions. I do think he will be at SummerSlam main, in the SummerSlam main event. Uso, and one of the most... Uh, the, this will be interesting. We know the opener for night one. We know the closer for night two. We don't know the closer as of right now for night one. This will be the one that's heavily considered. Even though I know they want to do right by the women and give the women a main event of doing air quotes there. You can see me doing air quotes. But this one is one that is heavily debated on a Fisher main event, and I can't go against it. The Usos defend their tag team titles and their tag team record versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This is where Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, they fulfill their destiny and win tag team gold together in WWE. Owens, I think this is the only title he has not won outside of the WWE Championship. When he won't win, he will win it with his brother, his family. He will win it with Kevin. He will win with Sammy, excuse me, Sami Zayn. If this doesn't main event, I'm interested to see where they put it at. Because what each night WrestleMania will be four hours, right? Start at seven and then eleven. I wonder where they're gonna put this because this is gonna be a hot one. This will be a hot one, and whatever comes after it will be the dead match. Period. Bottom line, it will be a dead fucking match. So there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I'm curious to see where they do it. The feud with Rhea and Charlotte is not really good right now. Like, there's nothing memorable about this at all. As actually a matter of fact, it's I can care less. Um, but I do know they want to have it to where it's more balanced and one night's women. But here's my thing. It has to feel like a main event, doesn't it? Charlotte, Becky, Ronda was a main event. Sasha, Bianca was a main event. Charlotte and Rhea does not feel like a main event. It's, it's cold. It's pretty. The women's matches this year are really cold, actually. It's terrible story. It's terrible storytelling for the women this year. Period. Bottom line. Um. But the reality is, is between this one and that match, I would put this one on last, like everyone else would. Just being honest. Uh, but we know the winners. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will get the tag team titles. Omos and Brock Lesnar, the matches that nobody asked for, but also the match that Brock Lesnar took because Vince probably recommended it. He didn't want to uh, have a match with Bray Wyatt because he, according to Dave Meltzer and other people, Brock Lesnar was scheduled to defeat Bobby Lashley last month or in February. And because he nixed the Bray Wyatt plan, they went with uh, Bobby Lashley winning. Now Bobby Lashley is not even on the WrestleMania card as of this recording. We don't know what's going on with him and Bray Wyatt. The whole thing's weird. I'm not even touching that because I don't even know what to say about it. I think it's all fucking weird. This is only to get the visual of Brock Lesnar F5-ing Omos. That's it. Otherwise, we know it's going to be a two-minute thing. This needs to be on night one to get this shit off the fucking card immediately as soon as fucking possible. As a matter of fact, this can go, this can go on after Cena Theory. Get this shit off and out the way. 
right? Um, but Brock Lesnar is winning. Asuka versus Bianca Belair. This this has been a weird feud as well. This is cold. Um, Bianca will have had the title for a full year. Like the, I will say this. Becky Lynch had her title for a full year. Never actually lost it. Bianca Belair will do something that's very rare. That's hold a championship, the women's championship, for over a year. Um, I have her losing here. I think they're going to push Asuka to the moon. I also don't know where you go with Bianca if she defeats Asuka here. That's the problem with Bianca's reign, Charlotte Flair's reign, and Roman Reigns' reign. Is The fact of the matter is, where do they go after if they win these matches? These, I don't know. Charlotte's going to always be in the running. I think it's time for Bianca to start from the bottom and start chasing again. So I'm going with Asuka to win this match. Next up, Rhea versus Charlotte Flair. Uh, Rhea has to win here. Rhea, Charlotte Flair has been the final boss to so many people. Asuka, Rhea. And you could say once Rhea lost to Charlotte two years ago in that empty WrestleMania stage, that well, three years ago now, that was her cooling off period. She just got hot again. The Judgment Thing thing has been a blessing for her and Dominic. Um, so I think you need to you you didn't have her go for have her go from one to thirty uh, one to win the Royal Rumble for no reason. You need to put that belt on her, and she needs to be Charlotte Flair decisively to get the win. So, and then finally, I gave this away already. Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. I'm unsure of this one. I'm going with Cody Rhodes because I feel like this is the story that needs to finish. And then take Roman Reigns out of the title picture to see the, the, the official downfall of the bloodline. The bloodline doesn't go for the downfall fully until he loses those championships. And I think this is where it has to happen. As of this recording, I just saw Cody Rhodes post that uh, his belt on on um on Instagram, and it has it's on the inside. But if you look closely on it, it has ROH, Evolve, PNG. Uh, House of Gold. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thank you to everyone for making him the megastar he is now. Uh, according to Meltzer and others, um, he is now a top tier merchandise seller uh, in WWE, which I can see. Um, he's a star. He, he, and you can either cool him off and do what you did to Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins a few years ago, and essentially, in my opinion, they derailed Braun Strowman's career too much. Rollins is. A wrestler's wrestler, so he's able to evolve. I, I, Braun Strowman is not. Um, so you can do that, or you can legitimately make him the megastar you brought him back to be and have him pin Roman Reigns. I have him pinning Roman Reigns. I'm just saying, I'm just going on faith here that Triple H will do the right thing in this streak. Roman Reigns doesn't need a thousand days, he's already had a historic run. The last three years and his run will and the bloodline stuff will continue now we need to separate those titles we have to get there and cody rhodes is the man to do it cody rhodes uh, otherwise he has beaten everybody on this run except for bobby lashley and aj styles aj styles is still out with a sprain. i think a uh what he it wasn't a sprained knee, ankle he would have been back by now something with his knee right no broken ankle um and bobby lashley i just don't think it makes sense but look here I'm going with that. So those are your predictions. We have two more things I want to hit before I let you guys go. I know it's uh, uh, running a little late here, but let's stick with me, guys. So we have two topics. 
let's get to the uh, they're both sad <laughs> i was gonna say let's get to the sad one but they're both pretty sad so joss alexander who has had a historical run the longest running impact champion of all time probably some would say the greatest impact champion of all time has the torn tricep he has to have surgery he will be out indefinitely he will vacate that championship which really sucks because he was having a great run i don't keep up with impact very often but during his title run i've definitely made sure to um watch it and enjoy it and so i was enjoying his title run and so he will come back stronger than ever and and he will definitely get that title back but uh the, the terrible into a historic title run and so now the thing that <laughs> all right so cm punk had an ig rant uh it was after dave Meltzer posted something essentially a lot of things have been going on the last several weeks as far as like people saying that punk had their finish changed to his double or nothing match and he refused to lose the hangman page and Things that have not been verified. As a matter of fact, things have been that have been pointed out to be outright lies. Um, and so Punk, in a now deleted Instagram post, has said this. Sigh. I wasn't cleared to come back to wrestle yet. Then plans was to wrestle at the pay-per-view. I sat and listened to Moxley's Rocky 3 idea. I explained how I'd never seen a Rocky movie. And I thought the idea sucked. But if the boss wanted to do it, whatever. He said he wouldn't lose to me. I never experienced someone refusing to lose to me. I just laughed. I asked Tony if this is what he wanted. He said yes. He's the boss, so I said okay. But I need to be cleared first. They kept saying it could be a squash, so I didn't need to be cleared. I scoffed at that. My health is more important. Dave Meltzer is a liar. Jericho is a liar and a stooge. There are plans, but plans always change. But I'll never put my put a company before my health again. So, there's a lot to unpack there. A ton to unpack. Um, one, he shouldn't put he shouldn't put his health uh, 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 bef- uh, after a company ever again. I agree with that 100%. Um, two, um, for those of you guys who have not seen Rocky, like Mr. Punk has not clue, the Rocky franchise is, are the, to me, the first four Rocky films... None of them are perfect, but it tells a good story, right? It, it tells a good story. So essentially, Rocky one is this German uh, boxer named Rocky gets a world title shot from Apollo Creed, who is coming to Philadelphia just to show off and say I could beat anybody. He chooses Rocky Balboa, thinking he's going to be a pushover, right? Because he's a journeyman. He's being he ends up being put in the fight of his life. Apollo Creed does, and he wins by decision, but he barely wins. And so we pick up Rocky two. At the end of the fight, and essentially, uh, Apollo's saying Rocky got lucky, and uh, Rocky's saying that's all good because I retire, I got money now, blah, blah, blah. But Rocky's not a very intelligent man, and he's a very uneducated man. He doesn't understand that money only lasts so long. And he makes a bunch of money, and legitimately, he spends it all. And he's trying to get a regular job, but no one's going to hire him because they think he's not worth it. So... Um, Rocky II happens, and Apollo Creed now is reversed the role. He went from he's not getting a rematch, to now he's getting a rematch, he's, he's going to take it, and he's trying to call Rocky out. And all of Apollo's people are like, you don't, the, dude, the man just would not stop coming after you, it's not worth it, et cetera, et cetera. But now Apollo's obsessed, because now people are thinking that Apollo fixed the fight to make it look like Rocky had a chance, and he didn't. So, essentially, 
Rocky ends up saying, well, I, I have to beat this guy, but he also needs the money. You know, he's about to have a kid. So he, he trains and um, they end up having a second fight, which he barely wins by skin of his teeth. But now he is the world heavyweight champion. He beats Apollo Crews. Rocky three happens. There is a corner man by the name of Mick. That's always been Rocky, his trainer, et cetera, et cetera. Then you have Clever Lang, which is the new, which is the new villain. Clever, I think, I think Clever, Clever, Clever Lang is the only one in the Rocky franchise to never be his, well, him and Drago, but Rocky, um, and Cle- you never see Clever Lang again. So essentially, Mick had been picking fights behind Rocky's back. That's easy fights, so that way he's been avoiding Clever Lang. Clever Lang calls him out about it. Says, hey, your guy has been dodging me. He knows that you know, blah, blah, blah. So Rocky goes against Mick's uh, advice and fights Clever Lang. Clever Lang absolutely destroys Rocky. And in the process, he pushes Mick down, causes Mick to have a heart attack. Mick passes away. Rocky's lost his confidence. He's lost everything. The world championship, Clever Lang called his shot and made him look stupid. So, in the process of trying to get his confidence back to fight Clever Lang because he wants his rematch, he says, I'm going to fight him. And so, he goes to Apollo and Duke, Duke who's going to train Apollo, and said, hey, I need help. Can you help me? And so, they go. They take him to um, Los Angeles where, they, where they're training him their way now. It's no longer mixed ways their way, right? Instead of him running and catching chickens, it's more about grace and finesse and him using footwork and him being uh more using more of his athleticism instead of his brawler tactics because uh, that's the kind of boxer that clever clever lang is so essentially as apollo's training him he's like beating him and everything he's he says where's your heart what happened to you what happened to the guy that took me to the limit and he goes off on him has this moment where rocky's just he doesn't understand he's like how did you beat me Whereas this is not you. This is not the Rocky. So he has to have a, a conversation with Adrian. Who Adrian has to say, you have to, you have. And Adrian has been very, his wife has been very much a uh, pedestrian in these movies. Like she's like his motivation, but she's quiet. You know, she's shy. And um, she speaks up for the first time and, and says, hey, you need to beat him. You need to be better. You need to be that person that you used to be. And that motivates him. He ends up training in the eye of the tiger, pun intended. And then he goes in and he beats Clever Lang. That's the Rocky Three thing. And so, essentially, and by the way, just for the way that movie ends, is at the end of it, Rocky and Apollo are going to a, a boxing ring that's in an empty gym. And Rocky's like, I can't believe you want to do this. And so Apollo's deal for training him was, me and you have a third and final fight. No one needs to watch it. No one needs to see it. I don't need any money. I just need to know who's better. Uh, uh, Rocky later on um, ends up telling Apollo's son that Apollo won the fight. So whatever. So my thought of first of all, did Moxley refuse to lose to him because he was saying I'm losing to an injured person? If we do it this way, I can put you over in the cleanest way possible at the pay per view. Or was he just saying I'm going to lose? To, like because it feels like this is what Tony Khan wanted to do. He wanted to have the match before the match, right? And so Moxley felt like he probably shouldn't lose twice, which he should not have been losing fucking twice. They shouldn't have done the match before, let's just be honest. Um, but if that is what it is, then I can't blame Moxley for saying that. I don't think Moxley would just already refuse to lose to this guy, though. Like, that's... I don't know, man. It feels like this was more of a Tony Khan call 
and he's putting it on Moxley. And Moxley was like, nah, this is the idea. So it actually helped get you over because we're going to be in Chicago. I'm going to be the bad guy either way. Right. So um, I, I get that. Right. But Moxley refusing to lose. Uh, I'm on the fence about that because if he pitched in the Rocky three idea and said, this is the way we're doing it. I'm going to completely squash you. And then you're going to come back and beat me. Then that's a different story, dude. Like he's not refusing to lose to you. He's saying, let's just do the story. You know, like, I can't, I'm not gonna, nah, I'm not doing all that. As far as, he said he was doing what the boss wanted to do. Right Now, I need to make this clear. Punk did erase, uh, he did delete the the, the, the the post. And then he ended up putting up a, uh, another post that said, I'm too old for this shit. He should have put the post up if he was going to delete it. That's, people need to stop doing that. However, um, here's the thing. He probably never had that experience, but also... I, I think he misunderstood that. I definitely think he, it just one of those things was like Tony Khan and Mox had a, a plan when he came back to do this, do it this way. He he probably didn't like it, and that's cool. But you were still getting the world championship at the end of it, so I don't understand the problem there. That's kind of weird to me that you would complain about that. Now, him and Jericho have had a, a very weird relationship since their days in WWE. Um. Jericho is very outspoken. Jericho is also supposedly, air quotes, no air quotes, you can't see me doing air quotes, been one of the people that have been very outspoken about Punk ever coming back again, right? So maybe that's why he's calling him a stooge and a liar. Um, those two had great chemistry in the ring, but you can tell they're definitely different personalities. Like, is CM Punk a cancer? First of all, I don't like saying cancer because there's no coming back from that. He, he can't be a problem if he's not happy. Now, the one thing that we're missing in all this is, and I said this before last year, if Hangman does not make those comments, now once again, I use my own personal experience here, we're going off of he say, she say. Punk has claimed he went to management and said, hey, can, what's, what's, this, what's this guy's deal? Do we need to talk? And management supposedly talked to him. We will never truly know. I don't know how true that is. I don't know if they just ignored it. Can I see them ignoring it? Sure. But Hangman kind of started all this. And we're going down a slippery slope here at this point. Um, but to me, the comments are very interesting because if you thought that he was coming back, he's not coming back. I was hoping he would not come back. Do I think he'll wrestle again? Of course he'll wrestle again. He will definitely wrestle again. Don't know where, but he will definitely wrestle again. And here's my thing. There is no need for him to come back because it's just going to cause problems. Problems that are clearly still there. He clearly feels some kind of way about it. We all know, let's just be honest, even if we can't, even if we have no proof of this, Jericho and the Young Bucks are definitely people putting the bugs in Dave Meltzer's ear. The same way Brian Pillman used to put the bugs in Dave Meltzer's ear. We know this. My thoughts on these comments are, these, this is his version of the events that we had never heard. This, this, this is his, but also, we don't know, but also, here's my thing. He told us the problem. He didn't tell us the solution. He didn't tell us what his ideas were. And here's the problem when you go on these rants on IG or Twitter or fucking Facebook Live or whatever the fuck, right? Here's a problem when you do these type of things. Usually you only see one side of it. We don't know at all what he pitched as his idea, if he even pitched an idea. Do I think that um, the lead up to it with, with the with the open contract, which do I do? I really do. I really fucking do. If we're going to do the Rocky Three montage, we need to have, um, what's his name? Ace Steel 
Like, well, it still did come out, and I get that. But no wrestler came out for that open contract. That's bullshit. That, it should have been more realistic. What should have been was, like, John Moxley throws a contract down, and you legitimately have maybe Punk's entourage, Ace Steel, and some other people kind of, like, grabbing people from behind and, like, beating them up, and then running out there grabbing the contract and leaving. It was just very anticlimactic to see a non-wrestler. And even then, I don't like that idea. But my point is, it was very anticlimactic seeing a non-wrestler come out to that and grab the contract. No one wanted a World Heavyweight Championship match at all, all Out. Now get the fuck out of here. I don't believe you. You need more people. So that's the problem I have with these comments are that we only we only heard the, the problem and not the solution he had. You know, and it sounds like this was more of a Tony Khan idea than a John Moxley idea. It sounds like it was more of a collaboration with those two. And Moxley saying, "Well, he's he's still injured. If he's still injured. Why would I lose to him?" So like, and that makes sense. And then you have no main event for your pay per view. So either way, at the end of the day, Punk just needs to stay away from AEW. <laughs> he clearly has hurt feelings there. Moxley has never said anything about it. But Moxley has also never said anything about the whole Brock Lesnar thing. The only thing he said was Brock didn't want to do anything. It was Paul Heyman who took offense to that. You know, he Moxley doesn't usually talk and put shit out there. So, those are my thoughts on that. Quick thoughts. Anyways, um, I'm just a little chemical. I hope you guys enjoy your WrestleMania week end. And hope you guys, that everyone who's there, you're safe. Um, you have fun and enjoy the moment. PFC, have fun. I know she's at WrestleCon this year. Um, it's gonna be a, it should be a good show. So, What's up, everybody? I'm so chemical. To, I will talk to you guys uh, on Sunday. The last part <laughs> of my thoughts on the CM Punk situation, as I said in the cold open, essentially I I should have waited. I guess as <laughs> my original plan, but I didn't. I recorded it, and those were just my raw thoughts in the moment. Now I've heard John Moxley's comments, and John Moxley essentially just told his side of the story. Um, call he did call CM Punk a dick, but CM Punk was a dick for throwing him out there like that. So that's not explosive. That's not. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why I was confused that when I read what Punk said, he said they had the Rocky Three idea. And here's what I'm gathering from all this. This was the plan that was made. So according to Moxley, Moxley was not under contract all summer for AEW. And he said specific, specifically, he doesn't tell people because he doesn't tell people his business, right? Which is it's none of our business. It's anyone's business. So think about how crazy this is. Not only did they make him the interim world heavyweight champion, while he was not under contract, they then made him the official world heavyweight champion. And like he literally had the AEW world championship on his waist the entire summer with like no contract. He's the face of the company. He's headlining pay-per-views, dynamites, literally going to different shows with that AEW world heavyweight championship belt. That's crazy to me. That is trust from Tony Khan to John Moxley. Um, which is why Moxley is in the position he's in, because someone does that for you, or someone shows you that kind of trust, why? Why, would, why wouldn't you be loyal? You know, why wouldn't you be respectful? Um, so this is what I gather, before I get into everything Moxley said. I'm gathering that Punk hurt himself on that fucking dive into the crowd, and they were trying to get uh, Moxley to sign a contract, he hadn't signed a contract. Well, Tony Khan said, hey, I need you. We're going to get you in the main event with first Tanahashi. Cool. And that that's when you can tell they mapped out the summer. Because they didn't know when Punk will return. So they mapped out the summer. They mapped out the Rocky Three story. Which is why that speech and at the, the Dynamite before makes a lot of sense. 
what they were going for. And we've already explained Rocky Three, so we're not going there. But that's why everything was still compacted because they thought he was going to be back sooner. And he wasn't. So that's why Moxie was like, no, no, let's just do it this way. So it's not refusing to lose. It's him saying, just, just follow this path. It'll make you be better in the end. So if you call that a refusal, cool. I don't think that's a refusal when there's still the plan is to make you the world champion. right? A championship that CM Punk has said he didn't even want, which is true. He was trying to forfeit the World Heavyweight Championship. Tony Khan would not let him. He, So that's a whole other story. But essentially what Mox said was he was walking around without a contract. He said when he came back from rehab, he they were telling him about his contract. He didn't want to sign a contract. He said, look here, as of right now, I'm still having fun. I'm doing things with my friends, the Blackpool Combat Club. And he said essentially that he didn't want any of the pressure because once you sign a contract, once he signs a contract, then he's going to work through injuries. Then he's going to do things he probably shouldn't be doing. But he likes being sober, which I understand that. 100% I get that. And so he was super happy uh, to do it, right? And so um, then the whole punk thing happened. So then he has the championship that he didn't ask for. And he said the one time, he says no one's ever put a company around him. And the one time they did, the world shut down, which is true. And John Moxley during that entire time was a, st- dude, he's been A1 for, for the, Jericho might be their most important signing um, in the history of AEW up until this point, because he actually gave them credibility. Because you know what, the mass, wrestling fans know who Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are. The masses know who Jericho is. So he might have been the most important signing. Uh, John Moxley was... No, no, how, do I, no, how do I word this? Jericho might have been the best veteran signing. John Moxley was the most important signing. Because he's been nothing but A1 for these guys since. They put the world championship on him. He has it during the pandemic. He carries out... Even when his wife caught COVID. He stayed home. Said, "No, I'm. I, I, don't, I don't know if I have it or not, but I, I, I can't be around people." He's been a one for these guys. He is their ace. Like I don't care what anyone says. John Moxley will probably leave in five years. Go back to WWE. Maybe re- wrestle one or two matches with the Shield. They might retire. Go into the Hall of Fame as a, as a solo artist and as a uh, tri- uh, trios artist wrestler. Excuse me, but he is definitely the ace of uh, of AEW and. And and he's he's here in the most important time like in the in the infancy, but the most important time because I brought this up, I brought this up, I didn't hear anyone else bring this up. So someone tells me if some of you guys heard this. Remember, I talk so much shit. I can't remember the episode number, so that's where my flaw is. But I know for a fact I said no one. This this these things weren't happening in AEW until Cody left. Cody was kind of the glue for as much as like as Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are. They are still a click onto themselves. Cody has his own school. Cody, look at what that they they, they, for God's sakes, Ricky Starks was backstage at WWE during the Royal Rumble. People love fucking Cody. He did a lot for these guys. Anyways, the point is, Moxley then says, "Look here, I don't give a shit." But then he says something very interesting. He said, "I've never said anything negative about AEW, but I've never been somewhere where it's so much fucking drama." That's telling. And Kenny Omega said something similar on Renee Paquette's podcast just a few weeks ago, where he said when he came back last year in the summer, he, he equated it to the Donald Glover meme, where Donald Glover has the pizza and he walks into the room and everything's on fire and he yells. 
Think about that. Think about that. That's a powerful thing. Because he was in WWE, Moxley was, under Vince McMahon. So here's my final thought now. Now I have some thoughts. My final thought at the end of the day is Punk needs to stay his ass at home. I'm a CM Punk fan. In my phone is a CM Punk picture of me and him. I went out of my way to buy it, to get his autograph. And now that I go my way to get his autograph, I literally, 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 excuse me, at that Comic-Con, C2E2, that year, 2020, I had nothing. I, I completely forgot CM Punk was there. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there, I'm in line, I'm like, I have nothing, I don't want 8x10. I, I, I was talking to this guy in front of me, who was super cool, had like three things, said, he, had, said he's been to a bunch of these things. I said, this is going to be a dick move, you might think, I don't know. But do you mind holding my spot while I go find something for CM Punk or something? Dude, take your fucking time, you got this time. Go out. Paid eighty fucking dollars for an action figure that I did not fucking need, but I wanted something so significant to be signed, right? Give me, give me sign. So I'm a fan, but I've also been consistent ever since. Why repent? I'm gonna do it again, again, days. I want a happy punk. It's clear he can't be happy. And what's also telling is Sean Ross Sapp said he was working on some details before the whole punk thing happened. And he was going to bring it back up. And here's my thing. And, and part of me hopes this is all fucking work. Because that new reality show that AEW has. Part of me hoping it's just a fucking work. But it's not. It's not. Here's the thing though. Sean Ross Sapp said that there was a conversation. Which we knew about. That Punk said. I think I even said this too. Punk had went to officials. And they could. And, uh, now it was worded differently last year. Last year it was worded as. He went to officials. And they did nothing. So, Sean Ross Sapp has now said. Punk went to the officials about the Hangman Adam Page promo, the Workers' Right promo that was really fucking weird. That Adam Page, everyone was wondering why Page was so angry during that entire thing, which it just was fucking weird that he was that angry, right? And so he went to the officials, Punk did, and whatever solution they came up with was not satisfactory for Punk. That's completely different. That changes the game. And who knows how much or what, if anything, they were willing to be accommodating for. But here's my thing. Adam Page did start this. But clearly Adam Page was spoken to, because Adam Page has stayed out the fucking way since. Even all out, Adam Page had left the building after his match with the Elite. Otherwise, he might have been in this shit show. Also, it's reported that Kenny Omega and Punk, after the whole thing happened at Brawl Out, they got into a conversation that was pretty calm, and, uh, and Kenny said, what's going on? And, and Punk apparently said, this has nothing to do with you. So it sounds like Kenny Omega was fucked. Just thrown in the middle of shit. Sounds like Punk just hates Jericho and the Bucks so much. And let's be real. Jericho def- Jericho is Brian Pillman uh, nowadays. He definitely spreads uh, or gives uh, information to the dirt sheets. He does. He just, he's friendly with all of them. He does. Um... And because he's the one, because he's, and we've heard multiple times people have said that Moxley called him a cancer. And he called him, apparently called him a cancer to his face, which is stiff as shit. I don't know if I would have the balls to call someone a cancer. That's a disease you can't come back from. So some people don't, at least. Um, so here's my thing at the end of the day, Punk just needs to stay home. They need to find some type of, he's been getting paid. So I don't feel bad for this motherfucker because he's getting paid very well to do nothing but IG stories 
and bitch. I'm sorry, I can't feel bad for people like that. I just can't do it. Poor them. But it's clear he has the itch to wrestle. It's clear he wants to come back. Otherwise, he wouldn't have posted this shit. Dax Harwood has said he has the itch to come back. So it's one of those situations where you have the itch, I get it, you want to come back. Then first thing you gotta do is bury your fucking ego, dude. Bury your fucking ego. You want to be a leader in the locker room? Bury your fucking ego. Apologize about brawl out. Talk to the Young Bucks. Talk to Chris Jericho. You guys don't need to be friends. You guys don't even need to be in the ring together. We guys, if we want to see a Jericho Punk match, we've seen it in WWE. I have Peacock. But if you really want to do business, and apparently, according to Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, Punk is open to apologizing for brawl out. First of all, there's no way. There's no absolutely. There's no absolute way. He gets it back into the company without apologizing. And he should apologize for it. And also the thing he needs to do, thing he absolutely needs to do, sits down with the Young Bucks, Jericho, and Hangman. Hangman and him never have to work together again. Him and the Bucks don't have to work together. Him and uh, Jericho don't have to work together. But figure this shit out. And Tony Khan needs to be there, because Tony Khan is the one who said during the brawlout scrum, he said, well, I should have addressed this earlier. Yes, he moved him. He moved uh, Colt Cabana to ROH. That's fine. If they're his companies, he can do what the fuck he wants. First of all, I'm not even gonna lie. I like Colt Cabana. I I don't go to any shows to see Colt Cabana. Let's just be real. I just let's just be real. So my final thoughts on this: Punk just needs to stay home. If he's not willing to bury his fucking pride and ego and apologize and move forward, whatever. But I will say this: if this is a work. It's a good work, and also it, it could it probably might draw them some money, but the reality is I don't think it's a work. And, but Punk needs a he's a forty year old man. Grow up. It's not all about you, dude. You draw numbers, you do good things, but dude, you are. I used to say to people, "You're better than this." Then I realized, no, you're not. You did it. So obviously, you're not better than that. So he's not better than that, but he needs to grow the fuck up. And I like him. But the reality is, AEW will need the drama. And you have two different people saying how that shit was a f- dumpster fire behind the scenes. It's not good. And now, think of, imagine this. That shit's behind the scenes. Let's say, this, let's say if, if Punk comes back and it happens again. Do you know how many people F. Cody Rhodes wins this WWE World Heavyweight Champion? When he wins this World Heavyweight Championship this Sunday, they see that they're fuck this place. I'm telling you. It's not a good look. So those are my final thoughts there. Sorry for doing that. Uh, just adding another 13 minutes onto the show, whatever. But it was now is the official end of the story uh, of the show. Enjoy WrestleMania Night One. I will be here. I will post it uh, Sunday in the afternoon at some point in time or Sunday morning. Matter of fact, no, fuck it. What I'm actually gonna do is I'm gonna record and just post it once it's done. I'm gonna record it, do the edits, and upload it immediately. So it might so it might be up as early as midnight Sunday. But it will be up, uh, it'll be episode what? 30, uh, no, this is 309. So it'll be episode 310, part one. WrestleMania night one. So talk to you guys then. Enjoy the show. I'm out.